Hi, everybody, and welcome to mini-episode number nine of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Mini-episodes of Attendance Bias feature a breakdown of a single song or a single jam from a show that I've attended. I'll give you a little bit of background about what makes that song or that jam so special to me, and then we dive right in. Mini-episodes are posted on a bi-weekly basis in between full episodes of Attendance Bias. That's when a guest and I go over a full fish show. Today's mini-episode features Iculus from August 14th, 2009 at the Comcast Theater in Hartford, Connecticut. I think it's fair to say that when the band returned in 2009, it was something of a reset for everybody, for Trey, for everyone else in the band, for the fans, and for the trends that we all got used to during 1.0 and 2.0. 3.0 was like a fresh start for everyone and everything, including the rhythms of the set list. One precedent that the Hampton Run set was that the band's set list would be much more extensive and diverse than it was when they called it quits in 2004. By opening the new era with Fluffhead and then playing shows that lasted for three and a half hours every night, the band made a statement that everything and anything was on the table. But as 2009 progressed, it seemed that, well, everything did not include deep cuts with narration from the Gamehenge saga. The summer tour of 2009 progressed, and it seemed that while rarities that skipped all of 2.0, like Fluffhead or Esther or If I Could, they made a comeback, but some notable fishy songs were nowhere to be found. I saw 24 shows before Coventry, And some of those shows contained all-time highlights. There were outrageous jams in some of them, song debuts. I saw a lot of good one-time covers, guest spots, festivals, everything that you could want out of the Fish experience. The only thing missing, and something I desperately craved, and what I think one of the only things I didn't get, was Gamehenge stuff. I think that it's pretty obvious toward the end of 1.0 and through just about all of 2.0, the band consciously moved away from the more complex and, yeah, silly Gamehenge songs. With a few small exceptions, most of their new stuff in that era were darker and less buoyant than the old favorites, and their jamming style was much more dissonant and it was based on soundscapes, not a lot of major key jams. I mean, a college senior's thesis, however progressive and satisfying it was, and no matter how much we all love it, it wasn't important to the band from... I guess I would say 2000 through the end. When you look at the set lists and the trends, Iculus, Colonel Forbins, Tila, McGrup, Lizards, none of these songs were played more than twice in all of 2.0, and some of them weren't even played at all. And it should be noted that aside from The Sloth, there were no Gamehenge songs that were played at Big Cypress. I guess my point is that if Hampton suggested that songs from the band's entire career were liable to be played at any given point, it was worth asking, where's the narration? Where were the songs that showcased the band's storytelling? It seemed that all that was left home. In 2009, my father-in-law at the time turned 60 years old. To celebrate, he rented a couple of condos near Stowe, Vermont, and invited the whole family up to celebrate for a long weekend. And my girlfriend and I looked at the map, we realized that Hartford was literally right on the way up from New York City. We figured it would be stupid for us not to stop and see the show in Hartford that night on August 14th. And that night was where my questions about Gamehenge would be answered. 
They opened with the game henge adjacent punch you in the eye and the fairly common ACDC bag, and not much later, they busted out the first Forbin's Mockingbird since September 30th, 2000. I was thrilled beyond belief. I have very specific memories of jumping up, screaming, high-fiving everyone around me, uh, just going absolutely bonkers. Even though there was no narration in this one, I felt like I could check it off my list, but nothing could really prepare me for what was to come in the second set. There was a spectacular ghost that started the fourth quarter, and it transformed into Psycho Killer of all songs. It drove the crowd into complete overdrive, and then that melted into a weird catapult. And then, finally, they broke out the greatest fan service Gamehenge song of all time, complete with narration, Iculus. The band had just finished an insane stretch of the second set, which culminated in this weird loop. It almost sounded like feedback, but it wasn't. It didn't make any musical sense. But after Catapult, you could tell that they were in a very talkative or wacky mood. And once all the music stopped and Trey started talking, you could just barely hear Paige play those three chords to introduce Iculus and the crowd went absolutely bananas. We knew we were in for something special because they hadn't played Iculus since the Oswego Festival in 1999. It's been 10 years. I mean, fish history was being made. Once Trey began to talk about growing up, everyone got quiet to soak everything in. grew up and maybe we matured during the breakup, but really the world had changed quite a lot in those five years, technologically speaking, and there was a sense among the audience that things were kind of on the up and up. We were able to communicate quicker and more directly, at least I had that feeling, and Obama was recently elected. There was this big wave of optimism that was among the Fish audience. They were back. They were playing venues like the Fox Theater in St. Louis, and Everything felt great, and I personally recently began a career. Life was generally good, but Trey was there to give us a reality check, and I thought the most fun part of all this was that Trey kind of took on the role of a lecturing grandparent. He was telling us how we are so wrapped up in technology, us crazy kids, and of course, this really hit the spot when he told us about reading the book.
as the rest of the band joined in and Trey got louder and more forceful, I was completely bought in. I was under the spell. Since I first discovered Fish, I was always in love with any banter, any talk from the stage. I had to get any tape of any show that had that talking, whether it was during Iculus or Harpua or Forbins and Mockingbird. But in my career up to that point, I hadn't seen anything resembling this amount of commentary. Now it was happening. And as it always does, Iculus reached its peak, and everyone could tell that the band, especially Trey, was all in on it. I couldn't imagine this amount of excitement or personality coming from the stage in 2004 when I last saw them, or even a little bit before that, like 2000. Oswego in 1999 was the last time I remember this sort of off-the-wall banter. I mean, there was some fun stuff from Trey at It, but it didn't reach this level of forethought or energy, and... If this ridiculous sequence in the second set weren't enough, they capped the whole thing with You Enjoy Myself and an encore of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. It was unbelievable. It should be noted that this was an especially hot and humid night in Hartford. It was certainly physically uncomfortable. It was loud. The air was thick. But this second set brought everyone in, and I left floating on a cloud. I had always desired to hear Gamehenge songs with some banter in them, and this show brought that and then some. And on top of fulfilling my wish list, this Aculus made a pretty astute observation about the state of the fan base at the time. Like I mentioned before, the world of technology had changed immensely from 2004 to 2009. Twitter and Fantasy Tour got much more popular once the band came back, and all of that combined with the hypercritical nature of fish fans, it made it nearly impossible for anyone to just enjoy a fish show or to convince others that a show is worth listening to. It seems like a really long time ago now, but if you were there, you might remember that fans would start to judge a show preemptively just based on the set list without hearing it. Or maybe they did hear it, but it would have been on a low-grade internet stream from a fan's phone way back on the lawn. 
good-natured discussions about fish, which used to be limited to the parking lot or killing time on long road trips on the way to the show, they became toxic online because one couldn't express his opinion without dozens of anonymous trolls just jumping down his throat immediately for saying how fun a show was or how good an opener was or how this jam was one of the best they've seen. Automatically, they had to defend and they had to convince and they were wrong because haven't you heard this show or this jam? But really got bad out there. And Trey didn't say any of this. But his silly rant against iPhones and (laughs) DVDs, of all things, made me think about that. And just the same... I couldn't wait for the upcoming fall tour in a few months. I felt like it was all gravy from here on out. Hearing Forbins and Iculus, I was slayed. And up to that point, I knew that I had seen one of the greatest shows in my career, no matter what came after or what came before it. It was very special to me that Iculus had made an appearance, not only for my own personal song wish list, but also for what it said about the return of Fish. Next week on Attendance Bias, my guest is Cully Naramore, the canning line operator at renowned brewery Treehouse Brewing in Charlton, Massachusetts. I first became aware of Treehouse Brewing when I saw pictures of their beer cans circulating on Fish Facebook groups and on Fantasy Tour. Printed on the bottom of each can was a lyric from a Fish song or a reference to the band. It was obvious that someone at the brewery was in on the joke. After some research and listening to the excellent podcast, Fear of a Craft Beer Planet, plus some connections with a local brewery on Long Island, I found that Cully was my man. He was gracious enough to join me to discuss October 27th, 2013 at the Hartford Civic Center. This was Cully's second show, and it came the night after his first. We talk about the band's tribute that night to Lou Reed, Cully's background in the beer business, and whether or not Treehouse's flagship IPA, Julius, is a direct reference to our favorite band. If you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show by leaving a review and a rating on your favorite podcast app of choice, or just tell one person about the show. Text them, talk to them, or whatever. Just spread the word. Thanks again for listening. I am Brian Weinstein, and I hope to see you next week on Attendance Bias. Attendance Bias.